0: Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Tyler Johnson. Today's episode is many moons in the making, and I am super pumped as our guest today is one of my favorite authors and speakers. Uh, Today we have Mr. John Gordon. He is a best-selling author. His principles have been put to the test by numerous Fortune 500 companies, professional and college sports teams. School districts, hospitals, and nonprofits. He's the author of over 20 books, including eight bestsellers. His latest book, The Garden, which we'll have linked up here, looks amazing. I can't wait to get my hands on it for a read myself. He worked with the teams such as the LA Dodgers, the LA Rams, Clemson Football, and many, many more. Welcome to the show, my man, my friend, John Gordon. John, welcome to the Elevate podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, great to be with you. Um, for those that might not know your story, in a few minutes, can you take us from Ivy League lacrosse to best-selling author?
1: Well, the only reason why I got to the Ivy League was because of lacrosse. I was definitely not the greatest student. Lacrosse got me into Cornell, no doubt about it. But I learned, I grew, I became... A leader there. I learned about culture and teamwork and really changed my life. The experience truly had a huge impact on me. I would not be doing what I'm doing today if I didn't have that experience playing lacrosse at Cornell. Graduate Cornell, I go down to Texas because I had a, a girlfriend at the time and she lived in Houston. I drove down there. My car actually blew up on the way down, caught on fire, literally left it on the side of a road. I should have known right then and there the relationship was not going to work out. Found a U-Haul, drove a U-Haul down, winded up leasing a car, waiting tables. We start fighting. I know I don't want to live there. I gave up going to law school to be down there. And I said, listen, I got to go home. She said, if you go home, you know, we're over. I said, I got to go home. So I drive home. I'm devastated. I'm upset. On my way home, I got the CD. I put it in and it's by Meatloaf. I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. Got tears go. coming down my eyes. I go home, I start waiting tables at Hula Hands. All my friends went to go work on Wall Street. Thought my life was over. I'm living with my parents. Like, what am I doing? And I knew I needed to move somewhere, so I decided to go to Atlanta. Someone said, check out Atlanta, young city, up and coming. It was the South. Literally went down to Atlanta with a friend. We packed up a car, got an apartment. I start waiting tables down there and started to create my life. Next thing you know, I get a bartending job in Atlanta. Next thing you know, I'm 24 years old. I wound up opening a bar. I got my master's in teaching at Emory University. So I taught for a little bit. Then I open up this bar. I always say teaching led me to open the bar up, which is, <laughs> which is a joke I like to share with teachers. I love teachers, love what they do and respect them so much. Because again, I had this Opportunity to teach and, and learned how challenging it is. So now I'm in the business world. I opened up this bar. I started a nonprofit organization called the Phoenix Organization, raising money for youth focused charities. We did the Avana Holyfield golf tournament. We supported the Boys and Girls Club, did a lot with the youth in the community. And then I met my wife. Met my wife outside of, of the bar right after we opened it up. A couple of weeks later, we wind up having two children. I'm now 20. Nine thirty years old went to go work for a dot com. Oh, before that, I ran for city council of Atlanta. Walked door to door to seven thousand houses, and I also went to law school at Georgia State for a year and a half, and then quit after a year and a half, knowing it wasn't for me. Went to go work for a dot com. Two small children. Still had the restaurant. We opened up a, another place as well. Was doing okay, and had those places. Then I'm I'm going to uh, work at this company. Had a had a chance to make a a lot of money that I was going to make my gazillions. And then we moved to Jacksonville. I sell uh, the restaurants back to my partners. Uh, I was sort of forced to do that. Uh, they were stealing from me. And so I basically, you know, got bought out, was happy to take whatever money they gave me. They gave give me a lot, but I didn't want to fight. I didn't want a legal battle. I took that money, moved down to Atlanta. I mean, sorry, moved to Jacksonville, Florida, Ponte Vedra Beach, moving there, working for the dot com, wife, two small children. I lose my job during the dot-com crash. And that was pretty scary. That was the most fearful time of my life. And that was a huge wake-up call. That was when I was like, what am I born to do? Why am I here? And writing and speaking came to me. And I knew I couldn't just write and speak. I had to support my family. So I decided to open a Moe's Southwest Grill burrito place. I was the sixth Moe's in the entire country, the first Mose in Florida, second mortgage our home, 20000 in credit card to open up this one Moe's, put everything we had into it. Again, scariest time of my life, very fearful, but just went for it and opened up this Moe's, eventually made it successful. That's a whole other story and how we made it successful. Wind up knowing I want to write and speak, got my first speaking gig in, um, Uh, in the restaurant, I met the managing partner of New York life in Jacksonville. Her name was Robin Wabi. She gave me a shot to speak at her company, gave my first talk. I was like, okay, I could do this. I was nervous, but I could do this. I actually tried to quit and get out of it before, uh, beforehand. She said, no, you're not doing that. You're going to do this talk. So I gave the talk very happy. I did. It was energizing. And I thought, all right, maybe I'll try to make a career out of this. And that began the journey of, of what I do now.
0: Um, I love it. That was, uh, power power pack Be condensed yeah well well done um you touched on the the dot-com thing and i think when i found your books it was that story it, through another podcast maybe i was hearing you on um because i was had a kid and a wife and had lost a job and it was uh, i really felt where it was coming from um why are moments like that so vital to, to our journeys in life
1: well, we have these defining moments in our life where we can choose fear or faith. We can go back into the past or, or look to create the future. And I think for me, that was, that was the moment where I had to look to create the future. I had to look to, to really decide, like, who am I? Who do I want to be? I think people are going through that right now. Right now, we have to decide, like, who am I? Who do I wanna be? What do I wanna create going forward? This has been a time for great reflection to really think about who you are, what you wanna be, what you wanna build, what you wanna create, because the world is like in many ways is burning around us and there's so many challenges and adversity and setbacks. I think that causes you to go deeper into your purpose, into your passion, into what really matters most. So out of all the bad can come out a lot of good And so I'm very optimistic in that. But for each person, it's also a struggle because you have to go through the discomfort of these moments to ultimately define who you are and what you want to be. That's why they're defining moments. So the discomfort is what leads to growth.
0: Discomfort leads to growth. I love it. Um, You've had a a lot of experience around some great teams, great organizations. Is there a lesson from being around those teams or coaches that uh, sticks out?
1: Well, so many from, from so many leaders I've had sure. to work with, have, the, have the opportunity to work with wrote the power of positive leadership and the power of a positive team, which are what I've learned from all the leaders I've worked with and all the teams I've worked with, what makes great leaders great, what makes great teams great. And I believe one of the greatest lessons I learned is from Dabo Sweeney, who's just a major optimistic, positive person, the most positive leader I've, I've ever met, and his belief in his team is what leads them to win. He believes in them more than they believe in themselves. And so I've seen the power of belief. That leadership is a transfer of belief. It's essential. From Nick Nurse, I learned that you have to address the negativity that exists on a team. He put an elephant on his desk the year they won the championship. And so anytime a player walked in, they would see the elephant and they knew they were going to deal with the elephant in the room. They were going to talk about the issue. They were going to talk about the conflict. They weren't going to let things fester. They weren't going to let, they weren't going to let bitterness spread. They were going to address the issue, deal with it, heal it and grow from it. And that's why they won a championship. So I learned that from him. And then I learned from the U S women's soccer team. I learned that they would have a uh, debrief after every game. Allie long told me this in my podcast. And she said that we would debrief after every game and give feedback to each other and talk about what we did wrong and what we could do better. And no one took it personal. Because everyone wanted to be great for the team and build a great team. And so they were more interested in getting better and improving rather than their own egos. And so that debrief idea and getting better and having difficult conversations and the Seattle Seahawks with Tell the Truth Mondays, where you come together every Monday after a Sunday game and you talk about the truth and no one takes it personal because it's part of the culture. That is really key to building a great team.
0: I'm glad you brought up Nick Nurse. He's a fellow Northern Iowa alumnus. All right. Uh, Yeah. Basketball for him, football for me, but uh, we're proud of Nick. Um, Why can positivity be such medicine to so many symptoms we see, we feel, we're observing? You talked about things feeling on fire lately. Why can positivity be such medicine?
1: Because negativity is what drains you. Because doubt and discouragement, distortion, lies— distractions and division of what we're facing right now. I wrote about this in the garden, my new book that just came out, five D's that will sabotage you, doubt, distortion, lies, discouragement. We don't give up because it's hard. We give up because we get discouraged. Distractions. We don't focus on what matters most. We get distracted by all the things that don't matter. And division, the word anxious literally means divided. So many people feel divided right now. And so for me, the way we overcome that is through trust, which is very positive, It's through speaking truth to the lies by encouraging ourselves, encouraging others with the truth. And the truth is we'll get through this. The truth is there is a God. I truly believe that. I know that that is with us, even though it may not look that way at times that my faith in, in God doesn't um, make life easier. It makes me stronger. And just the stars shine the brightest in the darkness, positive people shine the most through adversity, not Pollyanna positive. This is not about seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. This is knowing that you have the power to overcome the thorns. And so the truth is that we can encourage ourselves and we're positive and we just take it one day at a time and we control what we control and we do that every day. And by staying positive, you have hope for one more day and that keeps you going until you can turn things around. Pessimists do not change the world. Naysayers say you can't do it. Complainers complain about problems, but they don't solve them. Critics write words, but they don't write the future. We know that throughout history, positive leaders, the believers, the dreamers, the doers that have the greatest impact. They're the ones who transform their teams and organizations. So pessimism is going to bring the country down. And I see so many people that are more pessimistic than ever. And it seems like the media with their doom and gloom is making people feel more more pessimistic than ever. And that concerns me. It's like they don't want this country to succeed. They don't want us to overcome. It's so strange what I'm seeing. And so more than ever, we need to speak truth. We need to seek truth. We need to live with optimism. We need to live with belief. We need to understand we're facing challenging times, what we can learn and grow from what we're going through. And then from there, we then unite and focus on what matters most. So instead of distractions, what matters most, relationships, relationships, and really investing in people. That's what matters most. Building yourself and building your family and being there for them is what matters most. And then uniting to self, uniting with your team, and uniting back to each other. So the divisions that are happening right now, that's going to cause us to be weak, but through unity, we'll be strong. And so positivity is how we do all of it. Because if you're not positive, if you're not optimistic, if you don't love, which is, is the ultimate positive action, yeah. you're not going to be able to do any of it. You won't be able to overcome. So... It's why we need optimism and belief more than ever. And you know, Duke University did a study on optimists. They found that they worked harder, got paid more, were more likely to succeed in business and sports. And what they found was that because these optimists believed in a brighter and better future, they they took the actions necessary to create it. It became a self fulfilling prophecy. So what you believe will determine ultimately what you create. And that's why optimism is so important.
0: Well, thanks for being some medicine today yourself for us. Um, you mentioned the Pollyanna positive. Uh, quickly, give us the, what's the difference between I think you know that Pollyanna positive versus this you know grounded optimism that that serves you and can actually be a, a guide to your to your mind.
1: So, Pollyanna might be you know what there's racial tension, but we just all gotta love each other, and if we love each other, everything will be great. Well, that is true. There's an element of truth that we love each other, but there's also an understanding that grounded optimism is I need to hear you. I need to listen to you. I need to know that there is systemic racism that does exist and it has existed. I need to understand what you're going through. I need to empathize with you and, 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 and be there to listen. And if we do that and I listen and I know what things need to be done and criminal justice reform. And we need to address the issues that exist. We need to, I, truly, I believe we need to invest in communities and in schools, big time, and big children time. and teachers, and we really need to focus on that. And if we do these things, we're gonna see improvement, we're gonna see growth. That is real optimism, not just Pollyanna. So you're addressing the issue. So for me, it's there's a coronavirus and it exists. And you need to understand and do the research on it and all about it and recognize that it's not a, a hoax, it does exist it is real but also being very truthful and, and 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 understanding the different factions of it understanding that young people really don't get affected by it and we're seeing that and we're seeing that um you know for it's, it's really dangerous for older people we have to protect the older people so it's understanding that there's a virus and we have to deal with that and address that but it's knowing that this is not going to be the end of us and that we can take practical steps to work through it and get better and overcome. So that's, that's again, you could look at it and say with Pollyanna positive that, hey, everything's going to be great. But you can also, with grounded optimism, say, hey, here's the facts we're dealing with. This is a challenge. This is a struggle. There are people dying. And we need to address that. And we need to make sure that we protect those who are vulnerable. But this is how we can move through it as a country. And then where you'll start to have disagreements is what policy decisions do you need to make to overcome and that's where people will disagree and that's where you can get negative again instead of <laughs> debating. I wish we can just have debates about it about what might be the best course in anything we're discussing. But that's where the challenge is today is if you disagree with someone, now it turns into to, to, to ugly rather than listening to each other and, and finding the way forward. For me, I'm a truth seeker. I don't have agenda. I want the truth. Let's talk about the truth and get to the truth. And whoever's sharing the truth, and who's gonna is, is gonna help us move forward? That's what we need to focus on. And I think there's 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 too many people focus on their sides with biased information, trying to prove their points, rather than just seeking the truth.
0: I love it. Part of uh, seeking the truth, I found, uh, is the role gratitude can help us play. Um, how do you see that? It's one of the greatest lessons I think I learned from your work uh, is just from, you know, you have a gratitude walks, you do, uh, I've, you know, created a journal for many years now. Uh, what role do you see gratitude playing on, on great teams with great coaches?
1: It's the only way I've been able to get through this time myself is just to practice gratitude each day. <laughs> used to right. do a, a walk of gratitude every day. Now I'm doing two walks. So during this whole pandemic, the last three months since March, I go in the morning and I go at night. It used to just be one a day. Now it's two a day. And it's how I'm staying mentally healthy. When you walk and practice gratitude, the research shows you're flooding your brain and body with these positive emotions that uplift you rather than the stress hormones that slowly drain and kill you. And so by doing that each day, you're creating a fertile mind that's ready for great things to happen. You can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. So just being grateful for the, for the little things in our lives, for the small things, even though we're dealing with so much adversity, what are you grateful for right now? I'm healthy. My mom passed away, and my dad passed away, but I'm alive and I and I'm alive and I get to live this life. I have a wife that I love. I have two kids, thank God that are healthy. And I'm focusing on those those things that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful I get to do this work. Yes, I can't go travel. Yes, I've lost a lot of my business, but at the same time, people are still calling and asking me to do virtual keynotes and so forth. And I'm thankful for each opportunity I have to be able to share. So I'm thankful for that. So so the more you're grateful, the more you create this abundance mindset in your mind and in your heart and i truly believe that abundance flows into your life when gratitude flows out of your heart so i think it's a heart thing it's a mind thing it's a mental thing it's an emotional thing it's a spiritual thing and the more grateful we are we're able to withstand all the forces that are that are coming our way and coming at us with negativity we can build that fortitude inside with gratitude to withstand all the outside forces
0: right on um If you could jump back in a DeLorean, get in a time machine, and go visit 16-year-old John, what's one truth, being a truth seeker, that you would remind yourself of that you've learned along your journey? I would
1: tell him to not worry about the future. I would tell him (laughs) what I'm telling myself right now, like win today. Just win the moment. Win the day. And the more you can win today, and you win each day, you're going to win the future. So stay positive. Trust in a bigger plan for your life. God has a plan for you. Trust in that. Stop worrying so much and just show up every day to make a difference. It's what I wrote in The Carpenter. Love, serve, care. Do that every day. Look for ways to be your best and bring out the best in others and your life will just be fine. So that's what I would would tell myself back then. Stop worrying. And also I would tell that young person, you'll meet her. You'll meet the right (laughs) one. Right,
0: right. At
1: the craziest time and the craziest moment, You'll be standing on a corner trying to get people into your bar and she'll be walking by in that moment and you'll meet her. And in that moment, you'll meet her. That won't be it. She'll blow you off. She won't come back like she said she was going to come back. And a week later, you'll see her again at an event, a charity event, the Best of Atlanta event. You'll see her across the room and you'll run over to her and you'll tell her, hey, remember me? And she will not care that she saw you again. (laughs) but you'll get her card and you'll keep calling her and keep talking to her until she finally goes out Persevere, and you will persevere. And then she will become your wife and have your kids and you'll be married for 23 years. And you'll Uh, write a book called relationship grit together, which we have a book come out at the end of August relationship grit about our marriage, about our journey, about how she almost left me, about how I was negative. This is my full story. This is my ups and downs. This is where I was. This is who I became. This is how I got there. This is the John of the past that you may not like. My brother said, are you sure you want to share that book? I'm, I'm like, yeah, I got to tell my full story. But then from there, I became a different person. I started doing this work. I changed from the inside out. And how my, now my wife and I have a great relationship 23 years later. So I would, I would tell them those things and tell them it's all going to work out.
0: Well, good. Well, we'll have the garden linked up here um, and keep an eye out for the new book. I'm looking forward to that one as well, being a, a young husband. Um, one last question. Uh, you win in the locker room first. One of the things I love in that book is the seven C's. And I think working with teams, uh, the part that I always like to focus on is the connection to the commitment to the care. Can you expand on that just a little bit and how important that is Is just maybe in society or even just on teams? Yeah, I love that.
1: Went in the locker room first. Also wrote about the four C's and the power of a positive team. Basically, you got to communicate to connect. And then you connect, you earn trust. You build the bond of trust. You build the relationship. You create emotional and psychological safety. And how connection then leads to commitment. Because you'll never have commitment without connection. You need to connect to each other and with each other to become a strong and committed team. And then once you have connection, you have commitment. Then the bond has grown. The bond has developed. The commitment makes you focus on the team first, not yourself. You focus on we, not me. And that commitment then makes you stronger. And then you got to care about each other. A team that cares about each other will work harder together. They'll focus on their growth. They'll push each other. They'll challenge each other. They'll practice what I call love tough. Not tough love, but love tough. If a team loves each other, they'll earn the right to challenge each other. And from that, the communication, the connection, the commitment, and the caring, you will build a great team. And I encourage anyone who wants to build a great team, read, you win in the locker room first, or The Power of a Positive Team, one of my newer books, to build a strong team.
0: I know my son started off with the energy bus for kids is the, one of the first books we got him. So how uh, old? he is four and a half. So all right. yeah, he, he loves flipping through that. So um, thank you so much for your time today, John, been a dose of positivity medicine for us. Definitely. And, and can't appreciate you enough in, in all that you do in this world. So thank you so much.
1: Hey Tyler, appreciate you. Appreciate your podcast, the work that you're doing and just keep sharing the great work out there. We need, everyone right now sharing optimism <laughs> and positivity and we no need doubt. to build stronger need to build stronger teams and i know you do that so keep up the awesome work